Coming up, as the Brooklyn Nets' successful season rolls on, we take a look at the market for one Dorian Finney-Smith, the rumors around the NBA, and whether or not Brooklyn could afford to part ways with the veteran forward. We dive in, coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you'll find Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We're 100% free on all those great platforms. I'll let you know today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And Doug... This is a topic that you wanted to discuss after game one, let alone as we are 20 games into the season. The Brooklyn Nets are playing well, but now the seeds are are in the air, right? They've been planted, and some teams are starting to harvest the idea of getting value off of the Brooklyn Nets roster specifically today in Dorian Finney-Smith. Buddy, can I help it if I'm a big picture guy? No, I can't. I'm like, I saw, sorry. You go micro. I go macro. Sorry, I just see the whole picture. <laughs> Apologies. No, it's not look. about six individual puzzle pieces. I've already <laughs> completed it. Look, yeah, I mean, the, the the Nets are in this funny spot where you're sort of forced to think about two separate or two parallel tracks at the same time that don't actually totally coincide with each other, and it's a tough spot to be for Sean Marks. And company. The one is not having your draft picks for this year means that, you know, and just kind of just the talent they have on the roster means trying to win every game. Yeah. Also, they are not a championship contender as presently stated. So continuing to sort of claw back assets that they lost in the, you know, in the Harden deal specifically um, is has to be part of like what the future plans are. And where that, you know, where these guys are concerned, like Dorian Finney-Smith and to some degree Spencer Dinwiddie and Royce O'Neal, is that you have to think about probably at some point moving on from at least one, if not all three of them, and just to try to get assets back for the future. And Dorian Finney-Smith probably right now, like you said at the top, has the highest value of any of these guys. And by the way, this reporting comes care of Michael Scotto over on Hoopsite, where he discusses specifically with Dorian Finney-Smith teams, as we'll, as we'll highlight here, that have shown interest. Some of them have already fallen off, which brings up another problem or concern that I have around these potential trades, but that there are several candidates on teams across the league that are going to start to garner interest. You're going to start to see some of these things bubble up. Michael Scotto mentioned inside of this for Dorian Finney-Smith. Originally, playoff caliber teams, including the Mavericks, which we're going to use as kind of the model here. Why not? He used to play there. The Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, and then the Memphis Grizzlies. But of course, everything with their injuries has certainly derailed their season. And that's the first spot here. And it goes back to what you said after only a handful of games. Trade them. Trade Dorian Finney-Smith now. The value will never be higher, right? Cameron Johnson was out. He gets into the starting lineup, Dorian Finney-Smith. So far on this season already, something that we were concerned about in the last 27 games going back to last year after the trade with Dallas, is this player just not going to be the same when you don't have a Luka-type guy on your team? Well, it turns out he's bounced right back. The three-point yeah. shooting is 45%. Not even bounce back, actually setting a career high in that category for himself. So when you saw those things happening early, 
I do start to wonder between when some teams suffer injuries or the, the season isn't going quite the same way they thought they would, so they're not ready to spend as much. And now with the adjustment putting Cam Thomas into the starting lineup and Dorian Finney-Smith moving back into the bench rotation, you've at least reset his value and not in a great direction for the Brooklyn Nets. Do you have concern that the all-time high of Dorian Smith's value is only going to recede a little bit here as we get towards the trade deadline? I mean, it'll probably the shooting will probably come down only because he's never shot this well in his whole career, <laughs> right? So I, I think you have to just assume he's not going to be 45.6% from three on six attempts. I mean, he's like his best shooting on his most attempts, which is totally insane. Yeah. Um, but so you Turns have to out just what Dorian Finney-Smith just needed was more. More. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like you have to assume it will come down. I think that like it's unlikely to come down so much that his trade value would be like, I think, I don't think his trade value would dip at all, even on short-term regression, just because it's one, it would take a lot of misses just to even get it back to sort of a career average. So that's good news. And then two, just like other teams be able to see, oh, he still has this in his, in his bag, even mm -hmm. if even if it were to drop off and not even say it, it will, but even if it were to drop off, I think like these, these pieces, these are all compliments to DFS. Like when we say trade them, it's, it's a massive compliment because it's basically saying you might be one of the best assets the Nets have right? with just a timeline that doesn't quite fit what the Nets are probably trying to do. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at a guy who, like you said, I mean, has been shooting lights out can defend. I mean, he cl absolutely clamped DeJounte Murray for a possession yesterday. So, you know, yeah. he can switch schemes. Um, I mean, this is, he's done it the whole season, but he's been like one of their best defenders. And like, this is just a guy that a lot of teams would, would really value. And then you, and then that's not even getting to the contract, which is one of the best in the NBA. <laughs> like there's a lot not going for, on here for DFS. Yeah. Not for nothing as we'll also actually highlight that as well as we should, but that, I will just go back here. Feel free to go enjoy the post game episode as the Nets beat the Hawks 114, 113. But that possession you mentioned when Dorian Finney Smith ran with not even deed him up, but Murray was yeah. trying to beat him off the dribble going at the basket. And Dorian Finney Smith stayed in front of him. I, I had a moment. Where I was like, Whoa, now, hold on a second here, friends, because we talk about it in a certain model. And listen, will we be able to do it with consistency? Maybe not. But it was a flash that I just I took my proverbial cap off and tipped it to Dorian Finney-Smith for sticking with him. Just to clarify here before we go into some trade scenarios, then ultimately there's probably multiple episodes that we're going to do about different candidates and how valuable they can be. On Dorian Finney-Smith, as Doug reminded everybody, 13.9 this season, 14.9 next year, and then a player option for 15.3. And at that point, he's 30 years old now. So when he's 33, like, I don't know. It's maybe a little bit more interesting about whether or not he picked that up. And frankly, I think teams would still love if he did that based on where the market is going to go and the price points for a talent like this. That being the case, though. Coming up here in just one second, Nick Angstad from Locked on Mavs. Yeah, the fan base still pines for some Dorian Finney-Smith. We'll break down them as the model for potential trade scenarios and whether or not Doug Norrie will be willing to sacrifice draft capital for potential players. We'll dive into that coming up next. All right, before we get to that, going to tell you about our friends over on Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy just made so easy. Like we've been telling you, they took all the coolest parts of fantasy, removed them, some of the more difficult things, and just made it a really, really fun product. All you're doing on, on prize picks is you're going more or less on the prize picks player projections. You're combining a bunch of these different picks together. You can win up to 25 times your money. So with basketball, you're going point more or less on points, more or less on assists, rebounds, blocks, steals. With football, you're going, you know, 
uh, rushing yards, receiving yards, touchdowns, all the all the basic stuff that you already know. Picking the players you like or don't like on a daily basis. Also combining sports together if you want to get some NBA and NFL action all at once. Prize Picks has it all going for you over there. They even got the reboot policy, uh, which means your entries are going to stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Go try to find that on some of these other operators. Good luck. It doesn't really exist. Prize Picks wants you to have fun in the process, wants you to have a cool, easy experience, wants to be able to take home a little cheddar at the end of the day as well. Go to prizepicks.com. Slash lockdown NBA. Use the code lockdown NBA. You're going to grab a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA. Use the code lockdown NBA. Like our podcast network for a first time deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. So as we continue, a little bit of a you know quarter mark of the season here. Things are going really well in-house, and that's exactly the time when you want to say start stripping it down for parts. Dorian Finney-Smith, and we said this going back to the offseason, last trade deadline with Royce O'Neal, and I mentioned there in the first segment, there's going to be another episode around his value where Michael Scotto does make mention that the Nets are at least speculated to say they still want at least a protected first-round pick for one Royce O'Neal on an expiring contract, getting into some weird waters here. Before we talk about to close out the show, like when the right time is maybe to make these kind of decisions for the Brooklyn Nets, I mentioned Nick Angstad for the Locked On Mavs. Go check out the podcast if you're a Mavs fan. He does has a great conversation. And also, he talks specifically about Dorian Finney-Smith, first and foremost. This fan base loves Dorian Finney-Smith. Oh, yeah. They, they cannot do. get enough of him. They are obsessed with him, by the way, because Luca is also obsessed with him. He was one of his favorite teammates. He loved having him on the roster. So it all comes back to your star and him saying, like, I, I loved this guy when he was here. They gave him they gave him a tribute video when the Nets went and played Dallas. I like I mean I I sometimes the you know, the tribute videos get thrown out uh a little like a little too easily I would say but in this one it was one I, it was the fan base was totally on board with it and I remember actually Nick even t- tweeting at the time something like oh like you know it was something like oh you know awesome tribute video like totally deserved it was something like that it was basically yeah. just saying good for them because he deserves it. I mean this is for sure this fan base and probably the front office too, like this is a guy that they would really like to have back. They already know it works perfectly with Luca, right? Like they trade at the end of last season was to get Kyrie. They kind of knew where they were going, which was not to the championship, but it was trying to secure Kyrie early. So they had the chance to resign him. And that meant parting with, with DFS at the time. I don't think it was because they thought it was, a bad basketball move or anything like that to have him around. It was just like, they need this gear, the real big asset at the time. And that made the most sense, but no, from a wanting to get him back in, into the door doors, I, I think they're, it's very easy to see why they would want that to be the case. And we are, and they already know that this is a guy that fits a lot of what they do at some positions. Like they've been, you know, Grant Williams has been good, but they're still kind of a little struggling with some of the wing stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, right when you go and make a trade for a guy, there's not a guarantee. Or you sign Grant Williams, it's not a guarantee he's going to be the perfect player for what you want to do. You know what you have in Dorian Finney-Smith. Interestingly enough, so the way that that Nick broke it down, and I think you always want to go to the guys that are covering a team every day. It's why you watch us for the Nets. He said, like, it, it was kind of two paths here. Do you want Dorian Finney-Smith back? Yes, of course, hundred percent. Do you want him back because you know he'll help improve the team? Yes. Does he improve the team enough is what Nick speculated to warrant giving up X, Y, or Z to bring him back in the door. That was kind of the big question. And when you go and look at it from a mass standpoint, they have a 2025 first round pick, a 2025 second round pick from Toronto, and then 26, 27, 28 first round picks. That's it. And a 28 uh, second round pick from Miami. 
Like they don't have a lot. They gave up some stuff to get Kyrie Irving in the door. So they are also trying to thread this needle of, do we believe we're at a place where a Dorian Finney-Smith move is going to mean Western Conference final, is going to mean yeah. finals appearance, right? Whatever that, whatever that's going to look like. And Nick kind of came to the place where he thought that keep your powder a little bit dry, especially on the first round pick. And that's where my question comes to you, because I'm pretty flexible on the idea of a trade that could make sense here that doesn't involve the Nets getting a first round pick back. Would, would you even entertain a move that doesn't involve the Nets getting specifically draft picks? Um, well, okay. So I, whether I, I think the Nets have to focus on getting draft picks, I think they need to try to get as many draft picks back in as possible. I sure. don't think Sean Mark is going to entertain anything less than draft picks. I, I just think we've seen signal through him through the moves that have not been made leaves me to feel like Marks has stood really tough with some of these guys in in the past like Royce specifically last year um you know maybe even like Seth Curry Joe Harris like these guys who they just never ended up trading at the at the deadlines and I I almost I have to feel like there were probably offers out there of picks, but like low second round picks, things like that. And they just said no. And I do wonder if like Marx's philosophy here is especially with DFS. I mean, he's an interesting case here because they they do have him under contract for next year. And you can probably roll the dice a little bit that you could unload him next year for something if like if you weren't wowed this year. And so this is why I, I could see a scenario where they stand their ground to try to get as much as possible knowing that, Hey, worst case scenario, he still fits what we're doing. We can still use him, mm-hmm. And he's still on their contract for next year. I think there's like no way he picks up the player option. Um, I think that he would probably take it to the market after next year, just because the number's so low, but in general, I don't know. Did I answer that question? I, I think yeah. that, I think that like it's draft picks or bust for him. And I just think Mark's maybe at times has had unreasonable expectations about what should come back in the door for these guys. And that might not be a great sign, but I don't think it's going to be anything less than a first-round pick. Yeah, that's what's interesting to me because that that's the point, right? What happened with Royce? What were their offers on Dorian Finney-Smith? Did you take the Mikhail Bridges of it off the table last year when there was the speculation teams were offering four first-round picks to pass them through? We know there's some guys you needed to keep around here as the core of something going forward. But if Sean Marks has been setting such a high bar from a capital standpoint and teams are saying, no, we're okay, we'll go somewhere else, or no, we don't think that that's the value. It's either one of two things. You lower the draft capital value that you want on a player, okay, or in the, specifically the Dallas scenario, because we'll talk about like the timing of when it makes sense here to close out the show. But specifically with Dallas, here's what I find interesting. First of all, you need to make salaries match as well. And there's not a lot of teams that can have a lot of flexibility there. What's fascinating is that Josh Green is a player who technically right now has a poison pill contract because he signed the rookie extension and that's going to kick in in 2024, 12.6 million, 2025, 13.6 and 2026, 14.6. But the thing that's interesting for me is he's 23 years old, like by NBA standards and contracts, understanding he hasn't quite done the expectation, met expectations. That doesn't sound like a lot of money for a 23-year-old kid who could maybe still come around. And Nick Angstead even said he does a little bit of everything well. He just hasn't fully put it together with consistency. I bring him up because it's 4.7 on the books for the Mavericks, but it counts for a little north of $11 going out the door because of that poison pill element. That's what makes it feasible for the Nets to send Dorian Finney-Smith there, take back a Josh Green, 
And yeah, how about this, guys? Maybe add in a player that hasn't quite blossomed in his rookie season just yet, but Omax Prosper. This is the thing that I wanted to put out there before we talk about timing. If, if I told you that the Dallas Mavericks, and by the way, Omax is just like a little soft spot in my heart, but it, he hasn't necessarily shown. I was what wondering if this whole podcast was one big psyop to make to try to get you back, Omax it's Prosper back in the door. By like the this way, straight up the it took us to, for, for Omax, if I could, I'd do it. No. It took us to the 16-minute mark to get to Adam's could. actual intentions around like, yeah. you know what? I think we should talk the DM. I think we should talk the DMS <laughs> trade. But what he really wanted the title was Omax Proper. Oh, Omax Proper. Omax Prosper uh, coming back in in the door. I, it was just, I was curious if, how long it would take you to get to his name. It's 16 minutes. I had the I had the well under on that. Yeah, yeah. See, I thought I did a really good job. You know, let's talk about DFS. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> do, 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 do. What should we think about here? But, but the reason why I bring him up is one – He's a first-round pick, right, taken just after the Nets. He was just taken in the draft. Now, you could argue that this way the Nick Nick actually framed it, so I thought it was a really good way. It's like new car value. You took it off the lot, it immediately is de depreciated, right? But if you looked at this and you were the Nets, and you, like we said, stockpile young talent, take shots on players. There's a world where if you got to the place where you're willing to make this move, and Dallas specifically is like, ah, listen, the first-round pick, it's just not, it's not in the cards for you. If you told me Josh Green and you told me Omax and you told me that second round pick they have from Toronto, I can wrap my head around that. Not because I think it's total value one-to-one, -one, but because I know I have a lot of other things that I can do with a Royce O'Neal, with a, a Spencer Dinwiddie, right? Like I can keep getting assets other ways. At some point, you want to make sure you get maximum value. And this may not be this, this may not be the case. You can wait for maximum value on DFS, but would you at least be willing to entertain something like that or you think the Nets should be willing to entertain a scenario like that where it's more player based than it is draft capital i will answer that question right after we take Ooh. <laughs> oh baby <laughs> coming up next <laughs> before we talk, before we get into that I'll tell you about our friends over at jace look we come here as we talk about sports as an escape for some of the crazy realities of real life uh, but sometimes you have to actually go out there and prepare for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin. It's right in the middle of one of the worst flu seasons we've seen in over a decade. It could be scary, folks. I can't imagine, and I have been there before, a more helpless feeling um, than me or one of my kids getting sick while a supply chain issue kept them from life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, uh, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinitis, uh, skin infections, among others. Stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com. Complete your physician encounter. Be reviewed by a board-certified physician. Your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You like to hear that. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com. Use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off of your order. Go to jacemedical.com. Offer code LOCKEDON. Get $20 off your order. jacemedical.com. All right, so as we continue today's Locked on Nets episode, making us your first listen, make your second listen, the 24-7 Network daily digital content. Locked on sports over on YouTube. Search it, enjoy it. It's everything you want from all the local experts wrapped up in a tiny little bow for you. It's a really big package. Now, when we are, just before you respond to that, uh, Mike, Michael Scotto again over on Hoopsite, just to clarify, when he mentioned these, he did say that rival executives expect that the Brooklyn Nets would continue to have a high asking price worth the equivalent of two first-round picks for a player like Dorian Finney-Smith. As I mentioned, Royce O'Neal, maybe a protected first-round pick there as well. So if you have that as the starting point, 
does a Josh Green and an Omax and a second rounder feel like it, it can be equivalent to two first round picks, knowing that these are going to be probably later picks if you're getting them? Yeah, look, I mean, with Josh Green, he's hurt right now, but Josh Green yeah. um, is one of these guys. So, you know, first round pick, obviously, three years ago, still on the younger side, though not super young at 23. I do wonder sometimes um, about how easy it is to reach your full potential when you play with Luca, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, and we've seen this uh, in, in the past too. Like Luca is just such a force and just such a everything around the team. And obviously is like one of the very best players in, the, in all the NBA, but I, with guys like green, I, it, it's a little hard to sometimes probably do a full eval on what the upside is because the more minutes you share in the court with Luca, you're just going to be asked to do very specific things that are not going to range into your full bag because you're going to play off ball a lot. He's going to just be, he's going to have time of possession just out, you know, for like the whole shot clock. He's taking a lot of the shots. They're running pick and roll. So he's just getting, he's just kind of just looking for open shooters. And so from that standpoint, having watched Josh Green, I like for sure the athleticism is there. The numbers are, are the numbers, but like I just don't. I w- it's hard to even trust what the numbers are, even with the numbers like non Luca, the non Luca, non Kyrie minutes. I mean, obviously the usage cr- climbs, but it's just like not a big enough sample. So for, right. this is a long way to say these are like just the kind of guys that I would take shots on, right? <laughs> right? Like if you did if you did eval on it, and I think with marks over the years. They just had pretty good success with trying this stuff out. Like this year is another great example of it where they just kind of take guys. It's a little post hype, right? Like maybe you just weren't in situations that could really flash everything you wanted to do. I like like Lonnie Walker playing with LeBron last year. It's like, okay, well, how much are we going to really able to see what he's going to be able to do? Like LeBron is a total force. Lonnie Walker comes here. It's like, oh, he can just get guys off the dribble and score in bunches and do all this other stuff, right? Right. And so I don't know if Green's the perfect example of that, but he is an example of it. Of where, like, oh, DFS is getting older, not part of the future. The Nets desperately have to try to get younger and get assets back. And there is a world, like, you can tell yourself a story or being put in a new situation with more playing time and just a different environment. You're flipping Josh Green for, like, a huge, a bigger asset down the line. Right. right, like he is the like he's the that's, sort of, that's like, actually a part of it too. To be clear, it's not just me hyping about Omax or about Josh Green individually. It's about saying they're young. It means they can get better and they can have value. Right. And by the way, like this follows to me along the same lines of when we and we caught some flack for this, like at the time, but I, I still stand by this. Is like at the, during the summer when we were talking about guys that should target. It was guys in this range of age where maybe the the hype had fallen off a little bit. We mentioned Isaac Okoro. We mentioned Jonathan mm-hmm. Kaminga. It was like, yeah, those names don't jump. Like, I mean, Kaminga is a little different, but it doesn't jump off the page for you because you're, yeah, you're buying them on the low side. Right. <laughs> right. Like the I reason mean, why the whole, you can get them, maybe cheaper the whole than point. you think you should. Of course, <laughs> right. it's the whole point. Like, it's the whole point. Of course I know. If they, by the way, if these guys were awesome, they wouldn't enter, you know, and we're just jumping off the page we wouldn't be talking about trading for them because the teams would just want them. I'm saying like the Nets are in a situation where they have to take, continue to take swings. They did it that last year, excuse me, they did it in this off season and we're already seeing the benefit of Watford, right? I just mentioned Lonnie Walker, right? Like these guys who Dennis Smith Jr. Just, just even better. That's, that's actually the best example. The SJ like there's, They've just, these are the kind of guys that you just have to continue to try. Sometimes it's going to be Darius Beasley. It's not going to work out. He's gone. Right. But 
that's the whole point. So yeah, like I think Josh Green from that standpoint represents like the kind of guy you can start telling yourself a story about. And that's why if you told me, and that's the last thing I want to close out on is the timing of this. If you tell me that you're getting down to the trade deadline, and, and this is where I think th this is the needle threading moment for Sean Marks and the Nets that is almost impossible to actually get correct because you're 11 and nine now, and you're maybe you're going to go beat the Wizards on Friday night. Great. And then you're going to have a West Coast swing. It's going to be up and down. But if you're a couple of games above 500, and we've already seen, they've gone from 37 and a half win projection to 45 right now. That's the pace that they're on right now, not projecting. That's the pace they're on. So if you're the Nets, you're going to just ahead of the deadline go, and now for my next trick, this projected 45 win pace team is going to take away 60 minutes of, of contribution from Dorian Finney-Smith, from Royce O'Neal, from a Spencer Dinwiddie, right? It's going to be really hard, I think, for this organization to publicly acknowledge what a great year we're having, and it really doesn't matter. That's my concern here, because it goes back to the top when you said early this season, hey, his value is never going to be higher. Trade him now, because you want to maximize the value. I just don't know if the Nets are going to be willing to do it, specifically with Dorian Finney-Smith, because you can have him next year. But, man, I almost guarantee you that this is going to be the career year for Dorian Finney-Smith. 30, going to be 31 years old next year. Like, this is the prime. This is yeah. when, when, the, when the peak starts to drop off. So whatever it is on the market, I think now is the time to strike, and I just don't know if the Brooklyn Nets have the fortitude to sacrifice the back half of a season for Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson and for this organization to get these extra players, picks, assets, et cetera. Yeah, and I and I worry about this too because we've already seen uh, like a already possible, <laughs> yeah, a possible unwillingness to do this, right? Like, and that's my concern as well. Like, we've been and beating the, and this is why, like, and I'm not advocating they do this. I wonder if there's even like and these are the totally different podcasts, but let's say there was a a monster offer at the trade deadline for like Nick Claxton, right? Yeah, like, and because it's like, well, and. You know, like I'm totally making this up, but like OKC comes in there and they're like, he'd be perfect next to Chet. We have all these draft picks, you know, maybe we make the money work, you know, you know, with a, with a player or two. Also, they have young, some young you know players, too. I wonder if like they'd be unwilling to even do something like that because of the of the hit. The reason I mentioned that is because then if you apply that same thinking down down chain, it still applies to guys like DFS and Royce and all these guys. It's like yep. a possible unwillingness now to part with feel good kind of dudes who are good locker room, great locker room guys, raise the floor of the team. You're the playing minutes. And then you have unreasonable expectations around like what you should get back because you have to be wowed. And I think that's a concern. And I think it would be a major mistake. Like if all three of these guys were on the, or on the team after the trade deadline, I'd really question like the future visioning that's going on here. <laughs> like I, how could you not? I, I like it. now we're way, we're ways a ways away from that, but it's material to think about because the nets are in a situation where they just have to still continue to be stockpiling. And I, Sometimes when you're running parallel tracks that do not coincide with each other, then you run into you run into problems. And that we could, I don't know, we'll see. Of course, in the fourth, even even Spencer Dinwiddie would be the fourth guy here. So all this to say, you know that we're going to have more conversations like this around Royce and Dinwiddie and Nicholas Claxton. That one's going to be large and looming. And then uh, we'll have our game preview coming up on Friday as well, just from a high level before the Wizards match up there on Friday night. Then the post game podcast and all those good things along the way. Stealing Doug's thunder. Closing thoughts. 
Oh, do I? Do, I do you have a quote? Do you have, do you have a quote prepared, Doug? Do you have a, a quote ready to go? Or should I? <laughs> no. You know what? You know what? No. Never mind, Doug. Let me take care of this for you. I feel like you're a little bit caught off guard here. Not prepared. That's okay. No, no, no. Is... I thought you wanted me to close. Hold on, hold on. I thought you wanted me to have a closing thought about what we just talked about. I got a couple closing thoughts. I got oh, a good go ahead. Ones. Oh, nice. Here's, go ahead then. Yeah. Please. Here are my closing thoughts. First of all, wherever you listen to podcasts, this is what you need to do. You have to go make sure you're subscribed to wherever you listen to podcasts, so it shows up downloading every single day. Leave a review, five stars. If you're not going to leave five stars, don't do it. Go ha- go hand the phone to someone else in your family. They can leave five stars. Just yeah. make sure it's a five-star review. Also, make sure you subscribe on YouTube where we're going to be going live after the game, like Adam said, so you can get an alert there. Join And also, get into the Nets conversation. Join subtext.com slash locked on Nets. By the way, man, people say money is not the key to happiness, but I have always figured that if you have enough money, you can have a key made. That's Joan Rivers. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. All right, people. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.